Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Good morning, everybody. It really is a delight to see you this morning. Um, if I have not met you, my name is Karen, and I'm happy to see you. Um, as you know or don't know, if you've been here or not been here, we've been going through the book of Proverbs as kind of wisdom literature. Um, we've been spending the last couple of weeks in it. And, you know, the world in which we live, there's so many voices and so many choices. And we've just come to realize that we really need wisdom, the wisdom of God, in order to navigate life well, to navigate it in a way that will be for our good and for God's glory. And so we've kind of sat in the Proverbs for the last little bit. And a proverb, if you will remember, is kind of a poetic, um, concise thought-provoking um, saying that expresses kind of wisdom and truth in a very few words. Um, and we've looked at it of the wonderful banner back here by the Magnificent Grace. Um, we've looked at wisdom, how we need it in different areas of our lives. So we've looked at friendships and finances and sexuality and work. And today we're going to land with wisdom and words. <laughs> That's not going to apply to anybody in this room, right? You've all got that one down? Okay, great. Well, this will be quick then. <laughs> but uh, I've read a lot on this, and there's a lot of good resources out there should you feel the Holy Spirit kind of prompting you to, to spend some time in it. I've gone through Keller and Carson and, and Wilson and Tripp, and there's good resources. Um, so feel free to ask me if you feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting you to sit in this a little bit longer. Slow down. I um, have been in kids' ministry the last couple of weeks. It's just how it's worked out. And every time I come out of kids' ministry, people will say, ha, ha, Nick told this story about you this morning. Nick told that story about you. And Jason actually said to me, um, you need to get in the pulpit so you can tell some stories about Nick. Mm -hmm. um, but then I get the passage on controlling your tongue. So... Very strategic, a little unfair. So um, this morning together, we're going to look at how to be wise with our words. We're going to look at four points. And the power of words, so words are innately powerful. We're going to look at the power of words. What should and what shouldn't we say? How should we say it? And how on earth do we do this? So those are our four main categories. So let's start with the power of words. And we see the immense power of words right throughout all of Scripture. The kind of grand um, arc of Scripture, the meta-narrative of, of Scripture is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And we see the power of, of words at each of those key moments. We see at creation, God spoke and life and everything came into being by the power of his word. At the fall, we also see the power of words, where lies and deception were introduced and we hear the words, did God really say? We see it at redemption, when Jesus comes and he, he bears all of our sin and shame in his body on the cross and he calls out, it is finished the power of those words. And then we'll see it at restoration, at the end of time, when we stand face to face with our Lord Jesus and the voice will declare, the dwelling place of man is with God. The power of words, we see it throughout all of scripture. God's very first act and introduction of himself is to speak. 
God speaks, and out of nothing and darkness and chaos comes life and beauty and flourishing. So God initiates all of life by his words. But then he doesn't just kind of sit back and watch it. He sustains all of life by his words. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning. I think they're going to be up there. If it's too much, if I'm going too fast, Nick will help me. But just track (laughs) the best way that you can. Just be a big person and stay with me. (laughs) Um, So in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, God's son has all the brightness of God's own glory and is like him in every way. By his own mighty word, he holds the universe together. It's the power of word. He sustains all of life, but he also sustains us by his word. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word sustains us. When God speaks, it comes to pass. We don't have to question that or wonder about it. It is a done deal. There's power and certainty in God's word. He rules through his words. His words are never frustrated. They never return to him empty. His words are eternal and powerful and full of blessing and spirit and life. And this idea is so embedded and so important that Jesus, the supreme manifestation of God, is called the word of God. God is a speaking God. We see it throughout. And we are like God. We are his image bearers, and so we are a speaking people. We reflect God when we speak. And therefore, God expects us to be careful with what he says and with what we say. Words are inherently powerful. We can see this, their power, because words fill us. In Proverbs 18, verse 8, it says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Researchers have come up with, with these discoveries. I'm like, I mean, we knew this, guys. You didn't read Proverbs? But they've come up with these discoveries about how important your choice of words are. Depending on the choice of words, different parts of your brain get activated, and you can actually affect somebody's kind of neutral experience and make it um, more intense or less intense, because words matter and they fill us. I don't know if when you were a kid, um, I think, uh, you know, uh, kids are kids are still kids, <laughs> and they can say mean things. And uh, we had this little—I um, don't even know—diddy. I don't know what it is. A little thing you used to say when a kid was mean to you, and you're like, "Well, I'm rubber. Do you know this one? You're glue. Whatever I say bounces off me and sticks to you." It was kind of this like self-protection mechanism where we would say, "Well, say what you like. It doesn't." Unfortunately, it's not true. <laughs> No matter how much you say it, words do not just bounce off of us. They go down into the deepest parts of us. And all of us can attest to the truth of this. All of us sitting here today are still carrying in our inside parts the effects of words that have been spoken over us. Sometimes even years ago. And if, if while we're sitting here and the Holy Spirit is just bringing those things up... Don't just kind of rush through them or or cast them aside. Just kind of open your heart and say, okay, God, are you wanting to bring healing to the innermost parts of who I am today? Um, 
So like words fill us, they fill our hearts, they fill our minds, and then they become kind of like this um, cyclical thing that happens. So I'm, I'm really hurt, or I'm really angry, and I feel something and I say it. And I meant it because I said it, but then it becomes I feel it because I said it. So I say it because I feel it, now it becomes, oh, I said it, so now I feel it. And we get stuck in this cycle of the things that go deep down into us keep coming out, and it fills us, both the hearer and the speaker. And so we need to understand that most of what we need to be filled with, most of what we need to be taking in is the words of God so that his words are the things that we can speak and repeat. And so much of the world in which we live in, oh my gosh, I think the world that we're living in right now, surely we have um, exposure to more voices than anyone has ever in history, right? You think of the blogs and the podcasts and the tweets and, the, and the, the, all the social media platforms, people are speaking, speaking, speaking. And a lot of that world is trying to reshape itself without God in it. And so the words that we are hearing are not the words of God. And so we need to be people who diligently and disciplinedly consume the word of God so that that is what fills us. Colossians 3 verse 16 to 17 says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him through God the Father. So the richness of the word of God, the message of Christ, is what we need to be filling ourselves with. We also see the immense power in words because words literally carry life or death. There are very few neutral words in life. I mean, I guess you could tell me it's, you know, 55 degrees outside. That probably would be somewhat neutral. I guess it depends on the tone and the attitude with which you say it. But most of our words are in the trajectory of life or the trajectory of death. Um, Paul Tripp says that the book of Proverbs is basically just a treatise on the tongue. And it can be summarized as, Words give life, words bring death, you choose. Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So most of, most of, most of our words are in one camp or the other, death or life. And some of the words that, that will bring death and harm are things like anger and malice and slander and Oh, I said slander, <laughs> and gossip, and division, and judgment. Those are the words that we can probably fairly easily identify as being full of harm and death. But the two in that category that we can slip into um, accidentally sometimes are more likely to be slander and gossip. Um, Proverbs 10 verse 18 says, he who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. 17.9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. 
Slander is basically the kind of open sharing of information that will damage another person. It's kind of speaking ill of somebody else. It's kind of just out there. Gossip is more like um, the retelling of bad news um, behind somebody's back. And sometimes it happens kind of inadvertently. We just slip into it because we're carelessly talking too much. Um, but they're damaging both of these things. And we, you know, I mean, in a church community, we've heard these things before, and we're unlikely to participate in them directly. So if it's kind of upfront, you're probably not likely to participate. But if it's dressed a little bit more subtly, we can slide into it. And so the things we have to watch for are, um, I really need your help in knowing how to deal with so-and-so. So-and-so really needs our prayers right now. I'm really concerned for so-and-so because. We need to just be careful with the words that, that come out of our mouths. Um, and so the rule of thumb is you talk to and not about. Um, and we, honestly, we need God's grace and we need God's wisdom not to fall into this because really it's our natural resting state. You know, I walk into a classroom and it can be three-year-olds or 18-year-olds and within a matter of minutes, the kids will um, tell on each other. Oh, that's Johnny. Johnny always cries. Oh, Susie. Susie just never does her work, you know. She's just not a very good kid. And I'm like, Nobody taught those kids to do that. Nobody sat them down and instructed them in gossip and slander. It's our natural state. It's where we end up by default. So we are constantly having to course correct um, because of the fallenness in our nature. But we need God's help to remember that we will be held to account for every careless word we speak. We need to remember how often scripture tells us not to engage in unwholesome talk, slander, judgment, division, strife. It tells us that all the time because it's the thing we keep falling into. So if the Bible speaks about it a lot, it's because it's what we tend to fall into. So there's so much scripture about being careful with what we speak because we often just aren't. But we also have a double responsibility to be magnanimous, not just in our speaking, but in our listening. Um, we have the responsibility not to engage in evil speaking, but also not in evil listening. Proverbs 20:19 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Well, not only if they're betraying a confidence about person B, they're certainly going to betray a confidence about you one day. But if you just hang around, you are also going to be tainted by it. So if we merely find ourselves like empathizing and commiserating without um, carefully, lovingly, kind of shutting down that conversation and redirecting the person to have a direct conversation, then we, we end up being complicit and unhelpful. Um, and the results of these things are not small. It's not just, oh, well, now I know a thing. The scripture tells us that these are the words of death. They result in destruction and harm. These kinds of things break fellowship and separate friends. They feed quarrels and they nurse offenses. So we need to just remember the power of words. 
kind of deep breath that was a little bit heavy, but we also have the power to use our words for life and for healing. Um, the reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is hope and there is good and there is so much life that can come out of the correct use of our words. Healing words are soothing words. The healing literally means to soothe, to restore to health after a, f a physical malady. Um, and healing words are, are kind words. Um, Proverbs 12:25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You feel, sometimes you feel like, I mean, words are cheap. I'm not really doing anything for this person. But actually the power of life and healing are in your tongue as well. Um, you know, many of you know that um, my folks kind of are in advanced stages of Alzheimer's. And when we first moved them into the care facility, they could watch TV. And so I'd set up this account for them. Um, now they, they can't. They can't do that anymore. So I was trying to cancel the account, which, you know, is these things are trickier than they really should be. <laughs> And I was dreading it, and I was feeling like, oh my gosh, because I have the password and the email and the what, but I'm clearly not Jim Lamont, you know? So if somebody's going to be like a um, stickler, it's going to be a hard conversation that I'm trying to have on the phone. So this, I get this guy on the phone, and I'm feeling a little bit kind of anxious about this whole conversation, and I, you know, I explain to him the scenario, and Sweet. This guy's just following his script, and he's like, well, yes, I see you want to cancel. Is there anything wrong with the service? Because that's what he's, he's trying not to lose a customer, so he's trying to see if I'm unhappy with the service and if they can adjust it. And so I said to him, no, it just, they, you know, they're just now at the state where they cannot watch TV anymore. And this guy, he doesn't know me. He's never probably going to meet me. Um, he's in a call center somewhere else in the country, and he just says to me, ma'am, I'm so sorry. That's really, really hard. My granny had Alzheimer's, and I want you to know that today I will pray for you. And then straight into how do I cancel the account? And I was just like, oh my gosh, kind words. They just brought life and healing. Nothing has changed in their circumstance, but something changed for me that day. Life and healing in the power of the tongue. And life and healing words are not always just comforting and encouraging words. People that are trapped in sin or people that are trapped in unwise decision-making need correction and counsel to bring them to healing and freedom. So he healing words are not always easy words. I don't, I, sometimes that's a, a difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around. But Matthew Henry says, a good tongue is healing healing to wounded consciences by comforting them, healing to sin-sick souls by convincing them. The healing tongue is a tree of life, the leaves of which have the power to cure or heal. So healing words can look different given the different contexts, and that's part of the wisdom we need from God. Healing words, in essence, are words used for the other person's good. So we see the power of life and death. We see that words fill us. Another thing that we see in, in kind of the innate power of words is that words reveal our hearts. 
And this is possibly the biggest thing why we need to pay attention to our words. Um, our hearts are like the control center of who we are. It's like the steering wheel. It's where our trust and our beliefs and our desires and our loves sit. It's the things that we kind of like default to. It's our control center. And throughout Proverbs, we'll look at a couple of examples now, the heart and the tongue are often connected, kind of used a little bit interchangeably. That's because the mouth doesn't just speak independently. The mouth doesn't just have its own thoughts that it says. The mouth is really just an utterance of what's sitting in our hearts. It's really just reflecting and bringing out the things that are sitting in our hearts. So Proverbs 10.20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. So we're contrasting the righteous and the wicked, but we're also seeing tongue and heart are used interchangeably. 15.7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but not so the hearts of fools, lips, hearts. This is giving utterance to this. Our speech ultimately just reflects who we are. Sometimes we're even unaware of what sits in our hearts. Then you just listen to your words and you're like, oh, that was in there. And let me just say, sometimes the words that we say may be out loud and sometimes the words we may just be saying to ourselves. So you kind of introverts don't think you got off the hook right there. Just because you're saying them to yourself and not out loud doesn't mean that there's not unhelpful things sitting in your heart. This is why Luke um, 6.43, Jesus says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasures of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasures, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to be very careful. Words are very powerful, and they show our hearts to us. Okay, all right. So now we know that words are important, and we're going to be careful. So what should and what should not shouldn't we say? I mean, okay, all right. Well, Martin Luther says speech and silence appropriately expressed are together the mark of the mature. Speech and silence at the appropriate moment display our maturity. So we're all, most of us are prone to one or the other. Let me not make such broad generalizations. Most of us are prone either to be a speaker or not a speaker. <laughs> Uh, but all of us need to adjust, and all of us need to stop judging the other person depending on the tendency that we have. We assume that our tendency is the better one, and the other person is not quite as good as we are. So the speakers among us believe that the silent are repressed and avoidant. The silent among us believe that the speakers are selfish and destructive. <laughs> and then it's always the wrong person who hears the wrong thing. The person who needs actually some help in, in bridling their tongue is like, see, see, you have to speak because otherwise you're not doing your friend any good. And the person who should actually be speaking saying, nope, 
There's no chance because there's so much power in my word, I'm not saying anything. So ask the Holy Spirit what you need to hear this morning. Um, when Nick first asked me to speak on this, I was like, um, I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, you, you hold your tongue, you keep your mouth closed. How am I going to say that for 30 minutes? I mean, that, that's it, right? That's all there is to Well, no, that's not all there is to us. We're all having to adjust. We're all having to mature in the things and to find wisdom. Um, so to the talkers or the speakers, let me say, sometimes... Silence is the wiser choice. And I, I get it. If you are a, a, a processor and a fixer, this can be difficult. But sometimes silence is the wiser choice. Proverbs 11, 12. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. 10, 19. This one is intense. When words are many, transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Basically, the more you talk, the more opportunity there is for you to sin. So not everything needs to be said to the talkers among us. Um, and sometimes you need to make sure that what you're saying is for the other person's benefit and not your own preference. You need to just say, is this an issue of sin or shortcoming, or is this an issue of personality? And you need to have spent as much time praying about and talking to God about it as you have spent thinking and talking to yourself about it. To the non-talkers, you do your friend a disservice if you see error or unhealth and say nothing about it. Proverbs 25:12 says, to the one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. 28, 23, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism more than flattery. Our culture doesn't like when we speak out to each other, but we are called to remind each other of truth, to restore each other from sin, to spur one another on to maturity, and that often requires the sacrifice of hard conversations and very tender moments. And so that to the non-talkers, <laughs> Sometimes the most loving thing you can do and the best way you can serve your friend or your family is to talk. Um, Carolyn is, is sitting here. She's uh, pickleball's the thing, right? Everybody's playing it, so I'm going to give it a shot. Carolyn is helping me <laughs> because I need all the help I can get. And uh, so she gathered this new little group. It's, a, it's the most ridiculous story, but it kind of illustrates the point. And, um, and we're playing, and she brought in a, a new guy to the little group, and he was a previous tennis player which serves him well for hand-eye coordination and ball skills. Not so well because the size of the court, the ball, the paddle, all of that is a little bit different. And so he was a little bit frustrated because he had enjoyed so much success on the tennis court and was not enjoying quite as much success on the pickleball court. <laughs> but we got to this point, we're playing the game, and he is just making shot after shot after shot, and he's so excited about it. And then Carolyn says, um... Is he in the kitchen, Karen? Which is, the, there's a little zone at the net that you're not allowed to volley in. And that my partner was standing in there just wailing on the ball, right? And I was like, yeah, she's, why didn't you say anything? I said, well, because he was so happy. <laughs> he, was, he 
was finally making shots and I didn't want him to feel like, oh no, now there's another thing I can't do. And Carolyn had to say to me, no, you are not being a good partner. Now he has learned things that he thinks are okay and he's gonna have to unlearn them. And I was like, oh, but that was hard. Such a silly example, but how often does that happen in our hearts and our minds? Am I really being a good partner or am I just letting this person learn behaviors that are not okay? Um, so it requires a little less thought if the words coming out of our mouths are encouraging and uplifting. I generally go ahead and say those, but even in that, just ask the Holy Spirit to check your heart. Are you wanting to bless and call out or are you ingratiating or, and flattering? You know, God help us on all the things. Um, and then just this morning say, okay, God, for me, what is the bigger sacrifice? Is it silence or is it speaking? What do I need to exercise more maturity in? Where do I need to exercise more self-control? Where do I need to serve those around me in a better way? Um, and kind of, again, a little rule of thumb, three wise uses of your words are counseling, comforting, and correcting. Okay, so very powerful. We should say some things, we shouldn't say some things, so we've, we've kind of worked through this. Okay, I'm gonna be sober about what I say. Okay, I feel like I should say this, but now there's a whole nother level of how do I say this? Just because you should say something doesn't mean you're gonna say it well. It's a whole nother level of wisdom that we need to access God for. Um, the tongue of the wise is not simply found in what it says, but in how it says it. Knowledge makes Wisdom, sorry, makes knowledge acceptable and pleasing. And wisdom is the guiding principle here of what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. It's just, it's just thoughtless and, and gross. But the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. Somebody can hear you if you say the right thing in the right way. So what we say is just as important. And as I said, we are called to spur and admonish and correct and challenge each other. But we need great wisdom to know how to do that. So how, how do we speak to each other? Well, we speak with calm and control. Um, Proverbs 17, 27 says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. And then this I just love. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. And when their mouths are shut, they may seem intelligent. <laughs> I mean, it's just fantastic. But few words, so our words are controlled. We're not just vomiting. Our words are controlled and few, and we're even-tempered, we're calm in how we say the things that we need to say. We speak with thought and timing. So make sure your words are apt and that they are well-timed. Um, 15.23 says, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It's a wonderful thing to say the right thing at the right time. So you can be saying the right thing, but it may be at the wrong time, and then it's not heard either. So wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And then we say it in friendship, but with forthrightness. So 9 verse 8 to 9 says, Don't reprove a scoffer, a scoffer, he will hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. These are your friends. 
You need to be able to approve and, and they will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. Um, friends need to be able to speak and, and to listen and to speak the truth plainly. Um, Christina Fox says, so often friendship in our culture involves mutual encouragement to sin. So often we just want to, just be a friend. Just support me. So, you know, which wise friend have you asked to speak into your life forthrightly? And then we speak with grace and with gentleness. Um, Proverbs 15, verse 1, and then verse 4 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Gentle words are the tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A gentle word is a beautiful thing. It can break through exteriors that are hard and tough and get to places where hard and straight upwards might not be able to get to. So we need so much wisdom in how we say the things that we do. Okay, so there is there's a lot that we have to do before we open our mouths, apparently. So I'm like, how on earth are we gonna, I'm telling you, just keep it shut, you're fine. <laughs> apparently not. So, well, the good news is we cannot do this on our own. Um, James tells us that no man can tame the tongue but friends, there is not one single thing we ever have to do on our own. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead indwells us and can help us and empower and enable us. We can also ask God for wisdom. Um, Proverbs 2 says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver, seek them like hidden treasures, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James 1 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The good news is wisdom is not something we have or don't have. Wisdom is something that we can grow into and we can ask God for more of it. God can help us to grow in wisdom and then wisdom can help to guide our mouths. We can also ask God to guard our mouths. David in Psalm 141 is crying out to God and he's saying, God, help me not to fall into temptation with regards to the words that are coming out of my mouth. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. So the wisdom that God gives us can guide our mouth, but God can actually guard our mouths. Spurgeon says, oh, that the Lord would both open and shut our lips because we can do neither aright if left to ourselves. If left to ourselves, we don't know when to open our mouths, we don't know when to shut them, but God can guard the doors of our mouths. And then we can ask God to redeem and to reverse. He's very, very good at this. It's what he's been doing since the fall. He's been redeeming and reversing. And you, you, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it bears kind of reminding the, the kind of contrast between Babel and, and Pentecost. So at Babel, if you remember, it's when the people gathered together to build the tall tower to make 
much of themselves. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes down and gives people new tongues to declare the, the glories of God. And at Babel, we see people are kind of self-motivated. Um, they want to make their names great. And God judges their rebellion and their disobedience and, and they're scattered and humanity breaks down. And when we're left on our own, our brokenness and our selfishness propels us to self-glorification. In our context, it's not gonna look like building a tower. But it may look like building your own kingdom or building your own reputation or defending or promoting your name. It may look like criticizing or speaking unkindly of another in a misguided attempt to build yourself up, to make yourself look better or to feel better. It may be using our words to pull down the tall poppy so that we can rise up a little bit. But at Pentecost, that great reversal, Jesus just comes in and repairs and undoes all the things that we set in motion. The Holy Spirit gives them new tongues to declare the wonders of God, to make much of the name of God, to build his kingdom. So by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we can now use our words to build the kingdom of God, to make much of Jesus. And this happens when we declare the gospel directly. This happens when we are prepared to give an account in season and out of season for the joy and the hope and the peace that resides in us. It also happens, it's also God honoring and kingdom advancing when we bridle our tongues, when we speak words of life and gentleness and wisdom. And this is so counter our current culture, right? Everybody right now is encouraged to outrage, encouraged to speak your truth, to say all the words inside your head. Well, which kingdom are we wanting to advance with the way we use our words? We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to give us grace and wisdom and self-control. And also, just kind of in here under the redemption, God can redeem and reverse words that have been spoken over you and words that you have spoken. So even this morning as you're just sitting, just think, God, where do I need to forgive someone for words that, that have wounded and sat with me? Where do I need to ask forgiveness where I was wounding with my words? And then lastly, band, you, you can come on up. Um, we look to Jesus. Jesus is both the word of God and the wisdom of God. In Corinthians 1 verse 23, it says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We look to Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that we can look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that every word you have ever spoken to us, about us, or over us has been perfect and flawless and true. Your words are pure as silver, sweet as honey, strong as hammer. God, please give us wisdom, grant us wisdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, to hold you in high esteem. Help us to depend on you with humble trust. Fill us, 
empower us, help us. We need you now and always. Amen. When Jesus was on the boat and the winds and waves were rising, he said, peace. And before we go to communion, I just want you to sit in a moment. The band will continue to play softly and just ask yourself this question. Because Karen said we can't do it on our own, which is very true. The reality is when it comes to the tongue, we fall in two very clear camps. I need healing or I need help. Maybe you need both, actually. I need healing from words that have been spoken over me. And I need help to either keep my mouth closed or to speak words of grace and truth. just want to wait for 30 seconds. I want you to ask God, do I need healing? Do I need help? And then I want you to go to the table. Once the Spirit of God has helped you see what it is that you need from Him, and go grab the elements, and we'll take them together. Would you stand with me, please? On the night that Christ was betrayed, He took bread, He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. He lifted up the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink. Next day, as Karen reminded us, body broken, blood pouring out, he said, It is finished. We are whole, complete, lacking nothing because of the sacrifice of Christ. We have freedom, we have hope, we have the Spirit of God that heals us and helps us. I want to speak the blessing of God over you, but Grace has something that she wanted to share before we land. Hi, everyone. Um, so just felt impressed about different words. So we speak a lot to each other, but we also speak to ourselves. And I know something that Nick's actually been helping me grow through is learning about the words that I speak to myself about who God is and the ones that are true and the ones that aren't. And there's different ways that I view God, and my default is to see him as someone who is counting everything I do that is good and bad, and is lining them up, and then like judging me against those things. And I know that that is not true, but it's something that I speak to myself, and it's the way that I operate when I view God. And so I just felt pressed to have faith to pray for those of you who maybe are using words that are not accurate about God to yourself, and to have grace and truth in those moments when you are thinking about God, what is accurate about who he is? What does the scripture say? And to have freedom in the way that you view God in that way. Grace is gonna be on my left to your right, but also we wanna do what that call center agent did for Karen 
and we want to walk with you and pray with you if you need hurt, if you need help, if you need healing. Because it wasn't just his kind words. He said, I'll, I'll pray for you. I don't know if you did. I hope you did. But we do want to pray for you. If you're in that place where you need help, or in that place where you need healing, we have leaders that want to help you experience the freedom of God. Father, I want to thank you for this group of men and women. I want to thank you that even though we are broken and wounded, that you are with us and in us and you operate through us and I want to pray this week for my brothers and sisters that need help to keep their mouths shut I want to pray that you would give us grace I want to pray for those that need to speak words of grace and truth that you would give courage and kindness I want to pray for those even right now that are remembering words that still sting God bring healing in the name of Jesus And I pray, my God, in the name of Jesus, that we would be like that man, that we would be those that add souls to wounds, that speak words of hope and life and eternity in a world torn apart by the words, so many, many words. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we say, be with us as we go out to be your church. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, There is coffee and donuts in the front of the lobby there, but we can also just hang out here and uh, chat. But please don't leave without receiving prayer. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.